Praise the Lord. A lot of people out of town. A lot of people have uh, gone to be with loved ones and things like that. So those of you who are in town that did make it to church today, thank you for being faithful and coming to celebrate the birth of the Savior with us today. Praise God. Hallelujah. A couple of things I want to talk about today, um, and I'm going to do it while I'm preaching. If you have your Bibles, uh, open them to Luke, the first chapter. Luke, the first chapter. We're going to cover two chapters today. Luke, the first chapter, and the second chapter. Now we're going to read them all, but this is obviously some of the Christmas story. There's a whole lot more to it. Now, if we had enough time, we'd go read all the prophecies about it and everything as well. Um, but uh, I'm going to read the majority of the Christmas story today. Uh, I know I, I recited a dramatic reading of it last week, but this will be a little bit different. If you're, if you're there in Luke uh, chapter 1, we're going to go to verse 26, and we're going to start there. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having uh, come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. <clears throat> and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. Wow, <laughs> what a great thing to hear. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing, <laughs> nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me, now these are, these are big words here, faith people, according to to your word. And the angel departed from her. Turn over to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered everywhere, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. 
So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now we could have stopped right there, and it would have been good. But the angel took it a step farther, and he said, Which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who had heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and these are big words here too, as it was told them. And as we read this story, and we could go on in and read the, the part about the, the, the wise men or the three kings that came to see him, uh, and how God directed their steps and told them you know, how to get there and put the star over the, the manger. But here's the thing I want to talk about briefly this morning. There's three things that the Christmas story reminds us of. There's probably more than that, but there's three I want to talk about today. Three things that the Christmas story reminds us of, and that's first, the first one is this. God loved his children so much that he sent them away to get back to him. That's the first thing. You know, regardless of where you are in your life right now, what's going on in your life right now, where you are in your job, in your marriage, in your relationship with friends, no matter where you are in your life right now, here's the thing that you need to know. God loves you so much that he sent his son so that you could have a relationship with him. You know, I know there are folks that are sitting in, their, in, our, in our audience right now and, have, uh, and there are different um, levels, if you will, of relationships with their family and their fathers. Some people don't have a relationship with their father. Some people have a terrible relationship with their father. Sometimes it's strained. Sometimes it's, well, it's wonderful. Some people have great relationships with their dad. Some people, their dads aren't with them anymore. Here's the thing that we need to remember. Even though he calls himself our heavenly father, his version of being a father and the earth's version of being a father is nowhere close to being the same. His version of being a father is what we're supposed to strive to be. And I want you to think about what he did. 
He gave everything that was his best and everything that he had and did everything possible inside of his own integrity (laughs) to make a relationship with you work. You know, I've seen families fall apart because, you know, the parents have a a, a standard and say, listen, if you're not going to meet this standard, then you can't be here anymore. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we should lay down and and we should just be, uh, you know, doormats for our children to walk all over us. I'm not saying that we should be doormats to take advantage, that we should be taken advantage of. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is this. God did everything that he could. Everything that he could in order to make that relationship with you work. He loved you so much that he gave his best. He gave his very, very, very best so that you could have a relationship with him. Now let's just go back to Genesis. In Genesis we can see what his original intention was. The Bible says that uh, that he created Adam and Eve, and if, as he looked at across in, the, in the garden, and as he looked at everything, it says that he looked and it was good. It was good. And that's not just, eh. You know, the word good doesn't really carry as much meat with it as it did back in those days. If we were going to write that t- in today's language, it would say that he looked and it was perfect. It was perfect. And the Bible says that when they, when they sinned and they went and messed up, they actually heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How'd they know what that was unless he'd been there before? How'd they know what that sound of him walking through the garden in the cool of the day, how'd they know what that sound, what that sound was if he had not done that with them over and over and over. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about a father who wanted to have a relationship with his children. And then when Adam and Eve ruined that, they ruined the relationship we all wish we had. The relationship that was so close we would recognize someone's footsteps. When they ruined that, He didn't lay down and become a doormat for Adam and Eve and the rest of creation to walk over. But what he did was he did everything he could to repair the breach that was placed between his children and him so that at that point, if they would accept his terms, they could walk back into a relationship with him. And Christmas reminds us of that. (laughs) Christmas reminds us that God loved us so much. Come on, somebody, please get that. He loves us so much. He did everything he could do to repair the breach between you and him. And if you don't think there was ever a breach between you and him, you need to read Romans. Because <laughs> the Romans tells us that all have sinned, come on, and fallen short of the glory of God. But just because you've sinned doesn't mean that you're without hope. Doesn't mean that you are lost forever. Come on, if you will stop and accept Jesus as Lord of your life, if you'll have a relationship 
with the King of kings and Lord of lords, you can be returned into a relationship with the Father. The second thing that it reminds us of, Christmas reminds us of this. God is for everyone, from the lowest to the highest. It reminds us that his power will work in the lowliest of the low to the highest of the high. Come on, look who came and worshiped at the, at the, at the manger. His parents were there, but then we had shepherds. Now, let's just talk about that because we say lowly shepherds. But listen, shepherds are not successful, rich, wealthy people. These are guys that live out in the fields and smell like sheep. Yeah, everybody kind of, what? <laughs> they smell like sheep, and they smell like outside, and they live outside. And they're not somebody that is, would be considered to be, you know, a successful business person or, you know, they were just people out there taking care of sheep. Most of the time, they were taking care of it for somebody else. And they came and worshiped the baby. But then there were three kings from the east that also came and worshiped. Now, you can't get much more of a broad spectrum here than a king and a shepherd. I mean, we're talking the, <laughs> the biggest of the big and the lowest of the low. <laughs> I mean, the biggest of the big. I mean, I, 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 it's probably not the best movie in the world and, and definitely not the, the most wholesome movie in the world, but if anybody's seen Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1, there's a, there's a scene in there about the French Revolution, and, and he keeps making this statement. He goes, it's good to be the king. I mean, that's what we're talking about. The king is the, I mean, there's, there's very few people that can outlive a king you know, as far as how, how to live and, and what their life brings and what their life has and the goodness of their house. Come on, and, and, and the, the servants and, and, and the success. And I mean, come on, when you're a king, you're, you know, y'all know who the richest woman in the world is? Queen Elizabeth is the richest woman in the world. It's good to be royalty. Come on. So now we have two far ends of the spectrum, and both came, come on, somebody, and worshiped Jesus. What are we trying to say? God doesn't care where you are in your life. He came for you. And there's no situation that you're in that he can't affect Come on, no matter how hard or bad your situation is, it's not too far gone for God to do something about. No matter how bad it seems, come on, it's not too far gone for God to reach in the middle of and change. Come on, no matter how poor and broke you may seem, come on, it, it is not too much for God to bless you and meet your needs, come on, according to his riches in glory. But you know what? As successful as you might be and as well off as you might be, you're still not too good for God to change and direct and to lead and to guide. I've had conversations with millionaires who tell me, I make too much money to tithe. If I tithe them a church, they wouldn't know what to do with all that. 
When, does your, when did your millions become more important than God's commandments? There's, no, there's nowhere in between that's too much for God or too, too far gone for God. It's not too hard for God, and you're not too good for him to say something to. Come on, it's not, you're not too smart, and you're not too, too hurt. You're not too successful that he can't lead you further and change the way you do things, and you're not too hurt, and, and you're not too broke that he can't bless. And Christmas reminds us of that because here we have shepherds who were poor and kings who came from afar, and they both worshiped him. No matter where you are in your life right now, God wants to do something in your life that is a Christmas present for you. And Christmas reminds us of that. The last thing is this. God's word is true forever. You know, from the time of Adam and Eve to the time Jesus was born was about 4,000 years. 4,000 years. Now, let's just, let's just think about that for a second. For, uh, roughly, from the time Jesus was born to now, is somewhere around 2,000 years. So now, we've only lived half as much time, I'm talking about the human race, half as much time, since Jesus was born, to all of creation up until Jesus was born. Now let's just think about that for a second. <laughs> 4,000 years, the Hebrews heard of the promise of a Savior, a Messiah. And for 4,000 years they waited and they looked and they wondered, and yet they kept telling their children the same words. They kept telling people around them, and they would, they would share that story with each other, and they would share that amongst their family and their friends. Why? Because to them, it wasn't just a fairy tale. Come on, it was truth. God, it was God's word, okay? And the manifestation of Jesus' birth was the final proof that God's word was true. But I want you to catch this today. Even before Jesus was born, the promise of his birth was true anyway. Before he was born, the promise of Jesus' birth was true even if he hadn't been born. People were waiting for that day, but they yet they still believed he's coming. He may not be here yet. We may not have seen him yet, but if God said it, come on now, it has to be true. If God said it, it has to be so. And I'm going to tell my kids, and they're going to tell their kids, and they're going to tell my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids. And listen, that's why when you read all these stories and numbers and all, you know, basically in the boring parts of the Old Testament, when you saw so-and-so begat so-and-so and so the reason that they're telling us that is not just so we know who everybody is. They're telling you that because 
You need to know that word was passed down. Come on, somebody. From that person to that person, and that person to that person, and that person to that person. Why? Because it was God's word, and it was true. No matter what they were waiting for, no matter what it looked like, no matter how many times they got put into captivity, come on, no matter how many times bad things happened, God's word was true, and the Savior is coming. Christmas reminds us that the word is true. No matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what you may be waiting for, no matter what it feels like and what it looks like right now, come on, God's word's true. And when you put up that Christmas tree, that should just be a celebration. Hey, you know what? This is just another thing to prove God's word's true. How can you say that? Well, because uh, he told us Jesus was coming and Jesus came. Come on, there are prophecies throughout the whole Old Testament about him being born. I, I quoted some of them to you last week. There are, are numerous, almost entire, the whole New Testament is, is written as a parallel to his life and what it was going to be like and a, a type and a shadow and, and all these things. Listen, Christmas reminds us that God's word is true. And you need to accept it as truth just like the Hebrews did. How did the Hebrews accept it as truth? They began to speak it out and tell everybody around them. And you know how many people I'm sure looked at them like they was crazy? I'm sure when they were Egyptian in, in Egyptian captivity, they were looked at like, yeah, okay, get back to work. I'm sure when they were in Babylonian captivity and they were like, the Messiah is coming. Yeah, okay, that's good. Get back to work. Come on. Every time something bad like that happened, they would still recite. Come on. Even in captivity, they still knew God was sending a Savior to the world. And even though you may be facing, come on, the biggest mountain and biggest challenge in your life, you need to be saying what God's Word says. Why? Because it's true no matter what. No matter what you're facing, God's word's true. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter how you feel, God's word's true. Yeah, but I just don't see how. Come on, it doesn't matter if you can see it. Come on, God's word is true. Well, I just don't understand how it's going to be. Listen, he is far beyond what we can understand. God's word is true anyway. And Christmas reminds us of that. Because finally, after 4,000 years of confessing, and that's what they were doing when they told their children the, the story of the Messiah, they were confessing the word, come on somebody, that the Messiah is true. And I remember the day Luke and I got in this revelation at Brother Copeland's event. He said this, and the word, come on somebody, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Even Jesus' body, come on, was a prophetic word from God that was confessed for 4,000 years by millions of Hebrews. And when that confession kept, kept steady on their mouth and they didn't become separated by what they, from what they said, come on, the manifestation happened and Jesus was born in a manger. Christmas is a reminder that God's word is true forever. Now that brings me to 
as we close today. Something that we're starting here at the church in the new year. Now, if this is not your home church, you're more than welcome to participate with us if you want to. But if you're just visiting with us, give me one and you want to check out for a second, that's okay. But here's the thing. If you're going to have, know what the word says, then you need to put the word in. Come on, somebody. If you don't know what the word says, you, you don't know what's true. You don't know how it can be true because you don't know what it says. All right, so we're starting something this year. Now, I know everybody here reads the Word. I know everybody does their own Bible readings and reads their own books and stuff like that. But I'm asking you, if you go to church here, this is your home church, to read with us the same Bible reading for the year. Now, that doesn't mean you only have to read this. You can read still as much as you want. All right, but we're starting something called hashtag Read and study together. <laughs> okay, because our, our, our tagline here at the church is journey together. All right, read and study together. So I have made these cool little bookmarks. And uh, you stick this in your Bible, and all of us are going to read the same chapter every day, Monday through Friday. All right? Now, there's one Saturday in June, one, one, just so that we could get through it all in the year. Now, you want to read on the weekends? Go ahead. not telling you you can't. But I'm saying for all of us to be united in our hearts and direction together, everyone at Direction Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday, and one Saturday in June. Now, you're going to hear this till you're sick of it. I, I mean, this is something we're going to do as a church together because you can't know what God's Word says and what to believe if you're not putting it in. Now, there are some of you who are already advanced beyond this. Praise God. I'm glad you are. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing this so that we're all on the same page. Okay? All right, so we're going to read the whole New Testament in 2018 as a church together. We're going to start in Matthew, and we're going to finish in Revelation, and we're going to finish on the 31st of December, the last chapter of Revelation. So now this doesn't start till January 1st, but I'm going to give you your bookmarkers today, okay? Because, and you're going, to, you're going to start saying this with me, everybody or everyone at Direction Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. You don't have to say that part, it's fine in parentheses. Because God's word's true. But if you're not putting it in, you don't know. And let me say this. Nobody else can put it in there. The only thing somebody else can do is supplement what you're putting in. That's not my notes, that's extra. Okay? You gotta put extra in the offering today. Nobody else can put it in there. Listen, listen, y'all. Too many times we're depending on me or some other preacher to put it in there for you. All they can do is, all I can do is expound what, what you've already started putting in there. Now you go, well, you're preaching on something I've never read about before. That's okay. The word is alive. You should put it in and it'll start coming alive. 
Christmas reminds us the word is true. So in order for you to know what the word says, everybody at Direction Church, come on, you're going to get it. It reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday, and one Saturday in June. All right? Everybody got it? I'm going to give these to the ushers for me. Get these to the ushers. And then the rest of them we can put at the information booth. Now, if you've noticed, the information booth in the lobby is, the lobby's changed. All right? And that's why it looks kind of like a wreck in here. We've been in here working this week. But uh, the information booth is out there in the lobby. And we've moved uh, our cafeteria stuff, or cafe in here, over there. Now, some people go, oh, I'm so worried about getting coffee on the, on the carpet. Look at the carpet. It's brown and cream-colored. I'm pretty sure we're going to be okay if you spill your coffee. Now, that doesn't mean you just dump it out, okay? But I don't want anybody to get religious about this carpet, okay? We have stacks and stacks of replacement tiles. We can clean it. We got a carpet cleaner that goes to church here. I don't know where he went. He just disappeared. There he is, back in the back. So everybody... At Direction Church, reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday, and one Saturday in June. All right? Because Christmas is, gonna, is a reminder. Come on. God's Word's true no matter what you're facing. No matter how long you've been waiting. Come on, I'm quite sure none of you have been waiting 4,000 years. Come on now. I'm quite sure... No, none of you have been waiting, you know, anywhere close to 4,000 years, even though it seems like some of them 20 years that you've been waiting or 30 years you've been waiting, but that's okay. God's Word's true anyway, and if you'll just supplement it and you'll get it stronger on the inside of you and you'll get it down there on the inside of you, your faith's going to grab a hold of that. Come on, and make that promise manifest in your life. And when the manifestation comes, you'll be just like the shepherds, and you'll be just like the, the three wise men, and you'll just be like Mary and Joseph and the donkeys, come on, and the camels, and, and you'll just be bowing down and worshiping Jesus because he answered your prayers. Come on, somebody, and brought a miracle into your life. Amen? Praise God. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. We're so glad, hallelujah, that you came so that we could have a relationship with the Father. We ask today that you would help us to put your word in our lives, that we would be able to begin to believe our faith would get strengthened and it would be strong enough to pull the manifestation of your promise into our life. We thank you for that today in the name of Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen, you're the reason that he came. What we're getting ready to celebrate tonight and all day tomorrow, you're the reason. <laughs> you're the reason for the reason for the season. <laughs> Jesus is the reason for the season, but you're the reason that Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> he came for you. He came and died for you. 
so that everything he says in his word, he could manifest in your life, he could have a relationship with you, and he could, mm, <laughs> he could have a, a, you could worship him and work in your life. So if that's you today, and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, I want to encourage you today to make Jesus the Lord of your life. What a better Christmas present. You can't think of one. What a great Christmas present you could have today by opening up the redemption of all mankind into your life. If you need Jesus into your life today, you need a relationship with him, you want to make him Lord of your life, would you do me a favor and say this prayer with me right there at your seat? If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make a scene. I know when I, when I got saved, how my heart was beating inside my chest and how nervous I was about that. But I will say it was the greatest decision I ever made. So I want, I want to give you that opportunity today. If that's you and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to just say this prayer with me. I'm going to say it from here. You say it right there at your seat. Receive Jesus into your life. Say this with me. Say, Father God, I come before you today as sinner. But I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I believe that he's Lord of all. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creature. A new person. In Jesus' name, amen.